Lieutenant Joan Dark. What a name, right? Lieutenant Joan Dark. It is such a great name that in the script that I wrote, at any point at which I use a noun to describe this character, it is Joan Dark in full. Damn right. Absolutely. It's the only way to say her name. If you've just joined us, which you will have, we've literally just started... We are talking about Doom Annihilation this week on the Spin-Off Doctors on your Movie Boy podcast that everyone loves. And it cannot be emphasised enough. The main protagonist, the main character, the hero of this story is called Lieutenant Joan Dark. Joan Dark. Joan Dark. I mean, I mean though. Right? But I've got a question about the name Joan Dark. Oh, do tell. It could be one of two things. Really? Are they trying to make us think of Joanna Dark from Perfect Dark? Or are they trying to make us think of Joan of Arc, a.k.a. Jean Dark? Well, I I can report that, at least according to the Wikipedia page for Doom Annihilation, it is indeed the latter. Right. Worse in a way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Somehow that's worse. Like, you'd think it would be worse that... Because I couldn't decide what was worse. Whether they're trying to reference, you know, Joan of Arc or Joanna Dark. But now that I know, now I know what's worse. Yep. It has become clear. Yeah. Everything has come into focus for you. The fog has parted. And now I know that it is way (laughs) worse. That they named their protagonist Joan Dark. Lieutenant Joan Dark. Actually, the only thing that would be worse is if somehow it was based on neither and they came up with it on their own. So uh, I I will just quickly read the little bit about the production that is on the Wikipedia page. Um, Sure thing. I was really looking forward to watching this. Right? I know. Because it has the potential to be a lot of different things. And it wound up being perhaps the most unsatisfying of all of the things it could have been. Yeah. I, based on the trailer, I was looking forward to laughably bad. Yeah. And there were few laughs to be had. I've got a theory about that, but let us at first have a, have a, have a listen to the Wikipedia findings. Yeah. So in 2015, the director, Tony, I'm going to mispronounce this, and I apologize for that. I, the, of the things that I will say later in this podcast, <laughs> uh, this is the one I'm going to apologize for. Uh, Tony Giglio or Giglio? Yeah, I'm not sure. Giglio seems right. Right? Um, But he pitched to Universal as outline for a new Doom film, but uh, they declined due to the film not being on their slate and the 2005 film having been a disappointment. But then the 2016 game comes out, Mm. and the game's sales do really well. And so he goes back to Universal, and he's like, eh? Right? Uh, so they demand to see a script first. He writes a 25-page treatment. Oh, he didn't have one ready. Nope. didn't. He wasn't ready with the script. He pitched it in 2015, came back a year later, still hadn't written anything. No, no. Still had only an outline, and then came back with only a 25-page treatment when they wanted a script. I mean, is it any surprise they didn't want it in 2015 when he just phones them up? And I'm assuming it was a phone call for my own amusement. He just phones them up and says... We should do a Doom film. (laughs) 
What's that? What's that, Joe Lotruglio? We should do a Doom film. No. Don't. No. No. Okay. No. Uh, this is unfair to Joe Lotruglio, and I won't have it. We love Joe Lotruglio. I do. I, I actually adore him. <laughs> He's just lovely, like a little guy. He's yes, he's like a little teddy bear that you just want to hug. Yeah. He wouldn't pit he wouldn't phone Universal up. He would never <laughs> pitch Universal on no. a Doom film with only an outline. He wouldn't call Universal on his burner phone and say, <laughs> We should do Doom, you fool. Now, so apparently Giglio felt the previous film and you know, I'm going to side with him on this. He, f- These are all facts. He felt that the previous film lacked demons, hell, and a proper usage of the gates. Which, fair dues. Yeah. He's 100% correct about that. And Doom Annihilation had those things. He did have those things. It had demons, hell, and a proper use of the teleportation gates. I mean, that's all that it had, and it didn't do any of them well. It says he wished to prioritize those elements for the new film. Which it did. So, job's done. Yep. Congratulations. Huge success. Now, now (laughs) the film they made, was that based on a 25-page spec script? Well, no, actually, because it goes on here on the Wikipedia to say what it's based on (laughs) in some ways. And you're going to be shocked when I tell you this. Oh, I can't wait. You're going to be completely blown away. Uh, He created the character of Joan, Joan Dark. Yeah. After taking inspiration from the Terminator Mm. and Aliens. Oh, Aliens, you don't say. Right? You don't say. Feeling that a female protagonist can be effective in a sci-fi action film. He come up with that bit on his own, clearly. <laughs> like... What a great... What a visionary. <laughs> what a visionary. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Doom Annihilation isn't a good film, by the way. No. I will say this. The 2005 Doom film may not have had demons teleporters and hell but it at least had Dwayne the Rock Johnson yeah it at least had some energy to it it at least had some things in it you could giggle at this this is like this this film is Garth Marenghi's dark place with no humor and I was thinking of dark place a couple times during this like with the line before you fight the enemy you've got to stop fighting yourself said with all seriousness (sighs) And I'm like, shit, Joan Dark is Rick Douglas. <laughs> oh my god. Except, you know, not a self-insert character, which would have made this perfect. The other thing about this movie is that it really wanted a feature-length running time. Oh, yeah. Desperately. Because there is a about 30 minutes of movie here. Oh, absolutely. There's a 25-page spec script right. worth of film. And that's it. But it has a runtime of one hour and 36 minutes. Yeah, they get there. They certainly do. But uh, 
boy. I mean, well, well, a lot of it is just them getting there. There is so much corridor wandering. And that's like... Well, they want to show off the sets, which I will admit are adorable. <laughs> well, and they want to be like, this is aliens, right? Yep. And now it's moving through corridors. It's tense. It's not tense. It's... No, because it's, it's lit for shit. Like, it's... It's filmed like it's for TV. Like, it's got that... that style of camera work and lighting yeah it's like a sci-fi original yes one of them yes but again with with without the 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 laughs without the i I mean i don't even want to call a sci-fi original self-aware but the the attempt to appear self-aware well no some some of them are some of them are i think there you know there is a studio that specializes in those movies and they know exactly what they're doing well i'll say this they're Sci-fi originals have a self-awareness about being a bad film, but they don't have a self-awareness about the bad film being genuinely bad. So it's this layer cake of them knowing what they're doing, but not quite knowing how not good it is, if you see what I mean. Yeah. I will say I like I liked Z Nation a lot. It was trash, but I liked Z Nation a lot. And I was thinking of Z Nation while watching this, because Z Nation had better special effects that's weird why would you be thinking about a, a zombie well yeah you know focused series in this demon oriented very faithful to doom oh so faithful doom movie but the sets are adorable the sets are cute the props in general are are charming well here's that like practical stuff is good yeah the cg not so much yeah um that's oh yes so this leads me to the last detail from the wikipedia that i think is uh necessary to remark upon um this film utilized 1000 visual effects shots okay (laughs) how many of those how many of those were cartoon fireballs that fade out while doing nothing to affect the environment Uh, it's gotta be most of them because most of them I'll tell you where the money went on this film, because it's clearly, like, like as watching it, I'm like, okay, they tried to make a film that was Aliens and Event Horizon mashed together with no money. But obviously, some budget had to have been spent somewhere. Some of it clearly went on those adorable sets. Some of it went on a do-it-yourself CG effects library. And I, I am certain most of it went on one demon suit (laughs) not multiple i don't think we ever see more than one in the same shot even though there's supposed to be loads of them but i reckon most of the budget went on an admittedly impressive demon suit it's good yeah it looks like it looks like just i mean really the very very best that the buffy the vampire slayer tv show ever made yeah yeah but it's buffy at its best (laughs) But it's decent. Like it, it's detailed. It's it doesn't look cheap. Yeah, it looks good. Unlike everything else in the film, the person is wearing it is able to move in it, which is impressive. It, it comes off like a, like it's it's borderline believable. Yep. As as a monster, um, but it it must have been where the lion's share of the money went. Well, it, none of it was spent on actors. Well, no. And here's my theory about why this film is dire and a disappointment. And why modern bad films are like this. We've reached a point where actors are not so bad that they're hilarious anymore. We do not get, like, someone's dad 
coming in to play the role of a dad in the film so he doesn't know what he's doing and he's either overacting or or getting what things so wrong and unnatural we've reached a point where bottom of the barrel actors who at the very least can efficiently read a line and perform a line are a dime a dozen and he must have spent a dime for a dozen actors for this film but you see what i mean we've reached a point of basic competence with actors that makes the films unfun. And I, I thought I, I think this is true of Dead Rising Endgame as well, is if they were performed with bad actors from the 80s, these would be brilliant because the script is just bad enough and the effects are just shit enough that all it needs is some awful actors. And we don't get awful actors anymore. We just get kind of mediocre ones. Yeah. And that let this film down, I think it let Endgame down. Mediocre actors are cheap and easily found. And it's almost like the unicorn now, the 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 golden goose egg is a genuinely bad actor. And I think we only get those now in in like ego projects, your Tommy Wiseau's. Mm-hmm. Guys like that, like who's the other guy? Um, Neil Breen, something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. For he, he's a yeah. Neil Breen is is something. Breen the dream. Like you've got to dig to find the 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 things that people are making themselves because they have no self awareness. But you get something like Doom Annihilation, and it's like they're not terrible actors. They're not good. They're kind of bad, but kind of bad isn't funny. They're, they're efficient at their jobs. They are saying the lines that need to be said as plainly as possible. And and I just, like, that was where I was despairing with this because everything was performed so flatly that I couldn't get any joy from the other bad stuff. Yep. Uh, so, I and this, and this is just a, a weird thing I just noticed, and I, I, I apologies to the uh, consumers of an audio medium here, but I'm going to send you this image here i had scrolled down on the wikipedia page a bit and the uh cover art for the movie uh was cut off by about 50 percent. you know right about the middle point um what does that look like to you jim if you only see the bottom half of the doom annihilation box art well aside from a skull with mumps (laughs) it does look a little bit like a xenomorph doesn't it though we we need to emphasize this right this film liberally <laughs> rips off Aliens and Event Horizon. Yes. And throws in some zombie shit on top. And that's all it is. Like, it's, like I said, 25 spec script that probably just said, what from Doom do I like? Hell, demons, teleporters. What else should we do? Ah, just aliens and some Event Horizon stuff. Key cards. Key cards. We'll put in some key cards. Yeah, they got the red and the yellow key card. I don't remember seeing a blue one. Was a blue one there? Oh, yeah, the blues. Yeah, Blazkowicz, the very first one ah. they get that gives them access to the, uh, to the BFG. Oh, yeah, BJ Blazkowicz. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that is a, that, that's a choice that's fascinating to me. Um, that they made because obviously they wanted to be like, eh, eh, eh. We know this. You know this, right? You know this. Uh, Do you remember that? Ah, right. But the only people, the only people who are going to watch this movie, are people who, yeah, of course, know that, and people who will be pissed off at it. 
Yeah. At the way they done him. <laughs> and then they follow it up with another reference that only the people watching this will get. Right, which is John Carmack. Who at this point will just roll their eyes because they've already spent their chip on this. Yes. You can't keep doing it. <laughs> Especially if you've tanked the goodwill the first time. Now there's... uh. One other name in this, uh, and I, boy, do I not bother with the names of the characters when we get into the... Uh, oh, yeah, they... Mm-mm. Yeah. No. They're points. barely characters. Yes. But there is a character uh, with the name uh, Sandy Peterson, and I don't know if this is a reference to the uh, author of the Call of Cthulhu pen and paper role-playing game. I hope not. It must be. At this point, after Joan Dark, John Carmack, and William Blaskovitz, at this point, they think they're fucking brilliant. Giglio thinks he's he, he's a he's a referential fucking genius. Is Chaplin Glover a reference to Crispin Glover? And Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> <laughs> His two biggest inspirations. Uh, you know, okay, so I'm just now, like, reading the names of all of these characters for the first time. They're all terrible. Captain Hector Savage. <laughs> Captain Hector Savage? Wow. That's... Wow. Yeah, I didn't pay attention to any of the names outside of Joan Dark in the actual film. No. I didn't know he was called Captain Hector Savage. That's brilliant. <laughs> Uh, Private Rance Redguo, okay. Alright. Whatever. Ezekiel Barnes is a name in this. Ezekiel Barnes, come on. Uh, Ahmed Khan. Alright. Alright. Uh, what else we got? Carly Corbin. Some nice alliteration. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the rest of it's pretty Norman. Normal, pretty normal. Bennett Stone. Is pretty Norman a character? Pretty Norman. <laughs> God. <laughs> it's me, Pretty Norman. Oh, but yeah, it's it's a mess. Um, it's a it's not a good film. No. Should we talk about it? Let's do it. Yeah. We open with a shot of Mars and its moon Phobos orbiting it. A cartoon of Mars, and, <laughs> like instantly. I'll say the one thing that they've carried spiritually from the 2005 Doom movie is 2005 CG effects. And it's instant and it's brilliant. Uh, this is one, uh, the first of a thousand effect shots <laughs> <laughs> you're going to see in this movie. Um, on the moon is a top secret base of the United Aerospace Corporation's Delta Labs division. Ooh. A scientist whose name we don't get for a long time, but I'm just going to say it now because he's actually a significant character, is Dr. Petruger, cool, Yeah. moves through a secure door where he's preparing for an experiment to teleport a dude from another secret base in Nevada. Uh, the creepy gates with weird writing on them create a portal. And the dude in Nevada walks through it very stiffly. The portal... Is like black goo. Yeah. Like CGI, of course, cartoon CGI, black goo that just sort of wobbles and it looks like thick and viscous. It looks like a gelatin. Yeah, like jelly. And of course, when they walk through it, like, it just looks awful. Yeah. Because they just, you know, clip through the fucking thing. 
it's yes, it's very very bad and totally not convincing. It just doesn't look like a teleportation effect. It looks like black slime. And it's just it's a weird visual effects choice because there's so many other ways you could do a portal. Yeah, like. You could just have them stand on it and disappear in a flash, and then that won't expose quite so obviously how bad your special effects are. In the mid-1990s, there was a show on Fox called Sliders. Oh, I remember Sliders. Every week they managed to create at least two portals. Yeah. Man, they used to slide. Oh, did they ever slide? It was like Quantum Leap for the the youth. That was another great show. That Mm. was a good show. So, uh, the dude emerges on the other end to the delight of the scientists, but they are quickly dismayed to discover that he's undergone some form of transformation in the process, and he screams as black blood comes out of his eyes. He's got long fingernails. Mm-hmm. Ah. And then the title appears on the screen, Doom Annihilation. And they use the right font for Doom. Can't fault them there. Nope, they got it correct this time. So, a woman in a hospital bed is talking to her child about how she'll always be watching over her. Christ. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny you should say that, because you know, right in the middle of the frame, is she's holding out a crucifix to her. And then, uh, uh, this turns out to be a dream that Joan Dark, <laughs> a lieutenant of the United Aerospace Corporation Marine Corps is having in cryosleep. When she's in cryosleep, the lighting is really odd because it the lighting is like reflecting on her face in such a way that it makes her nose look really flat. Mm. And for a while I thought her nose was just like pressed up against the glass. And then when they the cryosleep pod moves, but the lighting still remains like somehow fixed so that it's just this flat shadow on her nose i then thought that her nose like in in real life just completely like was completely vertically flat and then you see her in the next scene and it's fine but i'm like it was lit in such a way that it's like why does she look why is her face pressed up against the glass why is she poking it with her nose i don't know why i've decided to dedicate this time no no to discuss this that's just this is an excellent observation that you are absolutely correct it is I mean, it's it's just indicative of the... But you're right, and I'm looking at a still of it now. It really does look like the underside of her nose is pressed flat against the glass, but only the underside of her nose right in the center. Yeah. It is such strange lighting. I wonder where that reflection's... It, it makes me want to go and fix their lighting for them. Right? You just want to, like... There's got to be, like, one light on the rig in the studio that you could just turn, like, an inch. Well, and and there's so much, like, visual overlay stuff happening in this sequence anyway, because the pod that she's in tells us that, she, you know, her name is Joan Dark and her rank of lieutenant and how much oxygen she has and all of this shit. So, you know they had to work on these frames Why did they do nothing about the nose? Yeah. It's so weird to me. (laughs) It's so odd. It is super strange. You're you're 100% correct. Uh, So a computer uh, starts giving her some advice on reacclimating to being conscious after having been in cryosleep. 
and she sort of sits down and asks the computer how far away they are from their destination. There's a little conversation, and then some rockin' music kicks off as she marches confidently out of the room, and we're shown the exterior of this transport vessel that she's on, the NOLA, which is en route to Phobos with a special forces squad. Like a sort of ragtag collection of irreverent space marines i think i would describe them as right but but they're not coming to this secret base in a military vehicle seemingly they're coming just in a transport oh that makes it totally different something more innocuous this transforms the medium you know it might even be corporate run you know that would be a twist (laughs) if it was like a corporation like, there's some sort of corporation that was at the heart of all of this. Like, the United Aerospace Corporation, maybe. Maybe a bit like that. Oh. I hope there's a no-nonsense soldier woman. <laughs> and someone who's, like, doesn't take things quite seriously. Mm, so that we can have a little bit of you know, conflict there? Yeah. Yeah. Boy, that'd be good. I hope that the, I hope that the captain is, like... <laughs> Just... A- it's fucking Space Marines. Just... <laughs> Well, we're like a badass sort of old school captain. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Somebody, you know, somebody classic who would use maybe even an an anachronistic weapon specifically. That'd be so good. Yeah. I hope they. I hope they do that. That's gonna. That's gonna be groundbreaking. It shows his connection to the old ways battle used to be. Oh, transform the medium. I hope that when they get like helmets, there's cameras in them. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, ooh, and HUDs? Could there be HUDs? You know what? I'll I'll grant you a HUD. I'd like to have a, at least a fair few shots from a first-person perspective just so that we can translate the feel of the video game. But just a few. And not have it be as good as it was in Doom <laughs> in 2005. Yes. Oh, God, no. And I want there to be less monsters, even though more demons was the, the writer's and director's vision. Right. I think there should be less monsters to the point where it's just zombies and one demon. Less monsters, more demons. That's that's the compromise that they made. Yeah. Less <laughs> less monsters and a demon. Until the end when it is some cartoons. <laughs> so uh, we are introduced to the captain of the NOLA, who is some snarky jerk. Uh, who, uh, you know, he's comic relief, I guess. Because he's talking about how, oh, you know, I went through all your stuff while you were sleeping. Ha ha. Sergeant Heck, fuck you. And and uh, he talks about how the showers don't work, so maybe you shouldn't take a shower until you get to the base. And, mm. and then we get to see Joan Dark in the shower, and the shower breaks down. Oh, man. Did I have a good chuckle. Oh, I, you know what? I, that laugh carried me for the rest of the film. Brace yourself. This is as good as it gets. I was still wiping tears from my eyes. Uh, blessedly, no breasts exposed for our pleasure. So that's how you could tell it wasn't a sci-fi original. <laughs> there was no one wandering around in that in, in like a bra for no reason. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but okay. Um, right. So the special forces squad are all hanging out in the mess hall, having a conversation about whether or not the captain stole from them. Uh while they were in cryosleep for the last four months. So four months have passed, right? If four months have passed, yes, he's gone through your underwear. Oh, yes. Like, that's just, like, a rule of thumb for anyone. 
If it's if you've spent four months in cryosleep, someone's paraded around in your necks. So I have this thing with these movies that we watch, where I don't remember them really. Like I just don't. I remember that they were bad. Oh, I mean, this is this is the podcast where we announced we were going to watch a film that we'd already watched and both forgot we'd done a podcast on. Right. So and we're not even talking about pixels. Mm-hmm. But so this that'll come as no surprise to people that I forget this stuff. But the thing that makes me remember a movie is, or any media in general, because it's not limited to this bad crap that I forget. I forget tons of crap that I interact with. Um, what makes me retain it is being made to think about something as a result of having viewed it. Yeah. And Doom Annihilation is a bad, boring film. But unfortunately, it deals with a technology that probably does merit some thought on how it functions and its effect on you psychologically and temporally that I'd never allowed myself the space to really consider because the thing that I was watching that involved that as a topic was entertaining enough that I didn't have space to consider it. How fucked up is your life if you spend months of it not aging while everyone around you ages, what does that do to the general perception of how old someone is and what their experience is? I don't think society could function. I don't think a society with cryosleep could function properly. Everyone would be spending as much time as they could in there, and they'd be terrified to ever come out of it, which would basically be its own form of death. Yeah. Self-imposed death. Look how deep we get in. I know, right? But that's that's because Dubalite Annihilation is incredibly boring. <laughs> so boring that it's way better at communicating its themes than a good film. <laughs> oh, if this only were a theme. Yeah, I mean, it's not a theme. It's like everything in this film. It's, it's sounds and colors and movements. That's all this film is. I now want a movie that is like a deus machina. For cryogenics. I bet one exists. I bet someone's going to point at some film. Uh, g- bless you. I would if love you that. you know what this movie is, because uh, that this is a thing that I would like to think about, and I would like the person who makes me think about it, it have intended to have done so. Yeah. And, we, I mean, we've already learned, though, that in order to get a film made, you need 25 pages. <laughs> so if we come up with it, we can get Universal to make this film. God, you know, like a primer-level movie about cryo. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm. The real impact it would have on the world and people. The lower classes wouldn't have access, but they'd have to maintain mm-hmm. the cryopods of other people who are privileged enough to not age, but also not live. Well, then it turns into a whole vampire shit. Then we got cryo-vampires on yep. our hands. It's the last yep. thing we need. <laughs> Not not alongside the real ones, just regular type vampires. So this whole squad is oh, hanging right, out yeah. in the mess hall. Yeah, this I film. know. I just feel I feel like we should. Um, the the they're hanging out talking about this theft of underwear, and 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 chatting generally about the trip. It's the most compelling plot in the film, and and it it's resolved too quickly for my liking. Well, it is. It, it's it's interesting because. This is a scene aimed at doing all of the heavy lifting in terms of character identity for every character in it. Um, with the exception of a guy named Winslow, who, by the way, 
I only retained was named Winslow at about the 75% point of the film because I realized, oh, okay, he's sticking around longer than I thought he was going to. Right. Winslow doesn't, he gets more development later. Um, but apart from him and him and the, the scientist guy, those two characters are the only ones for whom the entirety of their defining characteristics as people are conveyed. Like, everybody else is right here. This is it. This is all you're ever going to learn about them. Yeah. And there are significant things to the plot that are shoehorned in here and like they explain why x character does or knows this thing but it's all presented so blandly and conversationally and it's not highlighted as being important and i think i think every other protagonist aligned character is a vague soup of all of the space marines and aliens mm-hmm. they're all interchangeable and they've all got bits of elements from all of the space marines and aliens yeah it's just whoever needs to be the Hudson at that point will be the Hudson for that scene. Yes. So it's 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 not interesting conversation. The details that come out, I I will prob I will remark on one of them later. But otherwise, you need to know that one of them has blue hair. <laughs> there you go. There's a woman with blue hair. They all have different accents, though. That's one thing they made sure to have is every every character has a different accent. I think that might might be as a substitute for them having a personality and a character. <sighs> Just to try and make them a bit more memorable. It's like, right, you. You have a, a New Zealand accent. Maybe they all got to pick which one they wanted. Ooh, that'd be great. Right? Or they had accents in a hat, <laughs> and they just had to pick them out. It's like a fun improv party game. Yeah. God, sounds horrible. <laughs> Uh, so as, as Joan Dark enters the room, everybody gets super uncomfortable and leaves, except for the dorky scientist guy. Yeah. This is misdirection, because what they seem to be indicating by leaving, by everybody else getting uncomfortable and then getting up and leaving the room, and then the two of them exclusively having a conversation about a, you know, to some degree, a prior relationship that they had, makes... It sort of it leads one to think that that's the reason everybody left the room, and it's not. Now, I don't know if this misdirection is intentional or not, but it confused the fuck out of me at first. Eh, just throwing that out there. Uh, turns out that's not why they're leaving. Um, but uh, these these two knew each other and in college and dated briefly. Of course they did. Because we have to establish some form of um, love interest character. Poorly. Yeah. It's not so much presenting a love interest character so much as the film just saying one exists. <laughs> well, and, and frankly, this is the best, I think, like in terms of, of portraying a relationship between them that happens in this film. Not the last, but the best. Yeah. But it like comes up once again later. Yes, it comes up one more time. That's it. Yep. Uh, so they talk about going to Phobos and how for him as a scientist, it's a, it's a plum job, but for her as a soldier, it's a pimple on the ass of space. Cut to Dr. Betruger chatting with the base in Nevada about the recent experiment and blaming the incident on antidepressants in the teleported dude's system. 
Okay, this, I, I do not approve of this anti-psychiatric medicine bent that this film has suddenly taken. Especially because I needed my antidepressants more than ever while watching <laughs> this movie. So counterproductive. Let's not uh, blame people who need antidepressants for creating a demon hellscape. Hmm? Doesn't seem right, doesn't seem fair. The teleportation would have gone off without a hitch if he hadn't been vaccinated. <laughs> See that? I mean, we're one step away from yeah. this becoming a Zionist conspiracy. <laughs> uh, Let me... i tell you what would make this thing great. Is if the science project had its funding running out. Mm-hmm. So the doctor in charge decides he'll do it himself. Oh, oh, wow. That... That's bold? That's... That's... That's really original. They had a slightly different approach. Oh, God, don't tell me they, they're about to redefine the genre. It, it's it's kind of shocking because you, know, you, you would think it might zag in that direction, but it zigs. <gasps> and the scientist is like, no, we're not even going to like tell the higher ups about this incident. We're going to keep this on the DL. And the other guy's like, well, pfft. I'm not going to endanger another person's life by doing this experiment. And the guy says, no, no, no. I'm so confident it's going to work. I'm going to go. Right? Oh, I, I added the budget thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it. Yeah, it's the budget thing. That's, I forgot. Uh, other than that, yeah, it's... Usually it's, it's a budget thing. And, and I guess right. when I watched it, I just assumed that was the issue. This is somebody with like an ethical concern. Yeah. Right. So, so long as we get to the point where the head scientist refuses to let the project die by experimenting on himself. So long as we've got that in there, I think this redefines the genre. Like, can we talk a little bit about, like, how actual science in this sort of thing (laughs) would work? Like, nobody's going to allow you to do the second test until a whole lot of analysis of the results of the first test have been performed, regardless of the outcome, right? Yeah, but that doesn't get us demons. Oh, Damn, that's right. Gotta get deep. <laughs> like it's just so. So long as so long as we get the the one thousand dollar suit on screen, <laughs> everything's like on the table. So long as the roads take us there. Well, it's a long road yet. <laughs> it really fucking is, Jesus. On the Nola, the spec ops are getting briefed on the UAC lab on Phobos, which has a few floors and a fusion reactor. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail. Their mission is to provide security to the base. Now, the spec ops kind of busy about the job, and it comes out that they're being punished with this assignment because of a mistake that Joan Dark made. Oh, no. I tell you what, right? When I was watching this film, I thought, you know, that, that, that Joan Dark... She's a loose cannon. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Redef- redefine the genre for me. Right. Defies authority. Goes her own way. Fights herself, which is why she doesn't fight the enemy as well as she could have. Because which is... she's conflicted. Doesn't listen to orders. Doesn't follow the rules. A bit of a renegade, bit of a maverick, sure. But she gets the job done in the end. That is basically what Captain Hector Savage says to her after <laughs> That's exactly the what the squad. It's what Cap... It's it's what... Right. <laughs> it's Captain what Captain Hector, Hector Savage. Savage tells Lieutenant Joan Dark. <laughs> Why isn't this film good? I can't imagine. I mean, it's... All of the elements are here. No film this mundane deserves to have a scene between <laughs> Captain... 
Captain Hector Savage and Lieutenant Joan Dark. God, they those names belong in better films, better terrible films. Yeah, worse films, blander, less bland films. Worse but better films. Ah, <laughs> oh, it is really awful. On Phobos, Betruger is getting his vitals checked with a super cool future medical scanner thing. Because they've got future technology. In preparation for his teleportation, and he's making an attempt at charming this newly assigned nurse. Her name is Veronica. And then he gets the all clear, and everyone takes the places for this next experimental run. Which I can't stress enough, like, seems to be happening very, very quickly after the last one. And as the spec ops team gets ready to arrive at Phobos, the commander, uh, Captain Hector Savage... <laughs> records a message to his family explaining that he's planning to resign his commission after this assignment. Now... Effectively, from a narrative perspective, guaranteeing that he will not live to see the end of it. Now, the way this was filmed was confusing. Mm -hmm. Because while he was doing it, I swear Joan Dark was looking at a photo of, of a family, mm -hmm. and it was cutting to her as well. Yeah. But I swear I saw an image of, of Captain Hector Savage... In the photo? Oh my gosh. But I think it was filmed in such a way that maybe that wasn't the intention, but like, and I'm not trying to like make a joke here. Are they related? Because he's often awful paternal towards I genuinely her. thought the way this film, the, the way this scene was, was put together and the cuts between them, for some reason I got it in my head and I'd have to go back to see what, what triggered this thought, but... And I forgot it by the next scene because I couldn't remember anything that happened in this film. So it was like for three minutes, I thought Captain Hector Savage was her dad. Ah. And I don't think he, I don't think he is. I don't, something happened with the way that was shot that confused me momentarily before I completely forgot that and everything else that had happened in the film up to that point. Okay, so what it is, that's, and I can see how you might have gotten to that place, is that it shows a shot of Hector Savage's, like, little tablet PC that he's recording this message on. And in the upper right-hand corner is a photo of what I would assume is the recipient of this message, which is a uh, brunette woman. Now, cut. it then cuts immediately to a photo of young Joan Dark being kissed on the cheek by her mother, a brunette woman. So I can see how it might have right. crossed wires a little bit there. Because you were looking at an image that had Captain Hector Savage and then Brunette Woman, who is, I guess, his wife, and then Joan Dark and Brunette Woman, who is her dead mom. Maybe. That might have been it. There are a lot of quick cut things in this. That's it. It was just the way it was cut, like... Just merged the two things for me. And you get that same sort of, like, I feel like they were attempting to exploit that, the confusion that's caused by this kind of cutting later in the film when we get into the parts where, you know, uh, now, I, you know, this is going to surprise our audience and I don't, you know, hate spoiling, but the team gets split up. Jesus Christ. Right. I know. That's the kind of thing that could redefine a genre. <laughs> Uh, yep. So the, uh, the teleporter is activated again, and Betruger begins to enter at the same time as the Nola is coming in towards its landing, and the base goes dark. Joan Dark. 
Nurse Veronica goes looking for Betruger, and then there's a growling behind her, and she screams. <gasps> I got excited. I thought I'd see a monster. Yeah. You thought you, you thought you, see, you thought you might see a demon suit. Yeah. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. They spent a lot of money on this demon suit. They did. They got to build to it. They really got to get their yeah. most out of the reveal. I'll say this. I was expecting a shitty CGI monster at this point. Mm-hmm. So I was very pleasantly surprised later on. Yeah, no, that's... Yes, I, I actually, that's a great point that you bring up, because it does... Uh, don't worry, there's plenty sure. of shitty CGI as well. Sure, but it does speak to the baseline competence of this production, that they knew at least not to show any monster at this point. Well, they had watched Aliens. Right. And, and probably the first Alien as well, which is where they sort of... I mean, it, there is a baseline competency that you get from watching and copying lots of other films. But sometimes you see a movie, you know, that is clearly ripping off aliens that still does this, you know, where they show you a monster. Maybe not the monster, but a monster briefly early on. And you're like, why did you do that? Like, no, they retained that information and good for them. Because you know all those assholes watched aliens too. Why'd they fuck it up? They don't get it. So... They attempt to contact the base on the NOLA, but get no response. Science guy, who did a whole lot of research on the ba on the base once he learned he was going to get assigned to it, and now he knows everything about it, is aware of an emergency entrance that they can use. And when Mars Command is not able to open the door remo remotely, they are given orders to enter and get the base back online, as it has many delicate experiments which must be closely monitored or years of research will be lost. Uh, they're also played a recording of a distress call, which is mostly a bunch of snarling. This is like the first major Event Horizon ripoff. It's basically the, the audio scene from Event Horizon. But they are not more, but they are not appropriately concerned. Well, that's another point <laughs> that speaks to the mediocrity of the performances. They are as concerned at this point as they are later when they see a decapitated body. They barely react to things in this film. Yeah. Like, like, and they're all like, oh, what the fuck is that? And it's like, okay, well, I, maybe a little more. Can we get a second take? With a, maybe a little more. The epitome of the dull surprise. Yeah. And, and then you get the one guy as they're arming up. And this is Winslow, who, I, like I said, I didn't expect him to last. Because he's the guy who immediately expresses a belief that this is aliens. Which, wow, also really on the nose. Because we, we, the audience are watching this and thinking, oh, it's definitely aliens. Yeah. And he gets ridiculed by uh, everybody else there. Oh, do you think Jiglio, in all his cleverness, was taking a pot shot at 2005 Doom as well? Where he's like, We've, we don't have aliens, we have demons in this. So you're an idiot oh. if you think that it's going to be aliens. Oh, that, you know, it, I bet you're right. Because they, they were, if I remember correctly, in Doom 2005. They were, yeah. They, they were, were aliens. aliens I think what he did was Jiglio blundered into admitting his film <laughs> was a ripoff of aliens because he was trying to take a pot shot at Doom. 2005 he he just stumbled into meta commentary yeah he accidentally played his hand like showed his hand <laughs> while thinking he was being fucking clever and at no point and everyone else probably assumed he was just like making a reference to aliens the film and in him in his mind in his 
John Carmack name tag mind, in his Joan Dark mind, thinking he's so fucking brilliant. It's like, I am, I am gonna finally be the one to skewer Doom 2005. Wow. That is so petty and, and delightful at the outcome at the same time. Like, oh, that's beautiful. One can't, one cannot overstate how brilliant that is. Really, really good. Scoring an own goal while genuinely scoring one in the other team as well. <laughs> Somehow split the ball in half, hit the opposing goal and his own goal. What, what, well, what he did, what he did is he replaced the net with a really, really stretchy elastic. <laughs> Kicked it into the opposing goal Allowing it to then be flung entirely across the field again and into his own. Or just directly into his fucking balls. <laughs> Brilliant. I love this uh, film now. Yep, there's a... Uh... See, we can find find joy in the pain. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame we can't find the joy when watching the film. No. But, but we can bring some joy to you, the listener. Uh, also, the captain, uh, uh, Captain Hector Savage... <laughs> We get to see his old sawed-off shotgun that he, he loads up. This is an important character development detail. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, the NOLA connects its extension bridge to the Phobos base emergency exit, and as it connects, a wave of energy passes over the ship and interferes with its onboard AI, which claims everything is normal, but I've seen movies. <laughs> So is Jiglio. He's seen lots of them. <laughs> the Marines enter the base, and Science Guy observes that the base's reserve power is down to 2%. I tell you what, I don't want to, like, drag us backwards, mm? but I... God, I hope that AI goes rogue later. Wow. That would, that, that would make me shit myself. Jim, that could redefine the genre. I reckon... <laughs> <laughs> I reckon the genre needs to take a look in the mirror because it's not going to recognise itself. <laughs> Would you call it a Joan Dark mirror? <laughs> Joan Dark. <laughs> I want to see the space adventures of Hector Savage and Joan Dark. It's like a 90s cartoon. It, it is, yeah. Dark Rangers. Uh, so then Science Guy is persuaded by Joan Dark to relay this information about the reserve power being low uh, to Captain Hector Savage. Oh, we could call the film Savage Dark. Oh, damn. All right, I'm going to start writing the 25-page treatment. <laughs> That's it. Within within half an hour, we're going to be on the phone to Universal. <laughs> <laughs> so, Science Guy explains the, to Captain Hector Savage. <laughs> That this means they've got about 90 minutes before the safeguards protecting the fusion reactor are going to shut down and blow up the moon. This is completely revolutionizing the genre. Oh, absolutely. Am I watching a sci-fi film now? Or is this a new film? Is this a new type of film? <laughs> I'm going to have my mind blown if I see a countdown clock. Somewhere in here. Oh, Jesus Christ. Don't don't tease me with such wonders. And you're also not going to believe this. Uh -oh. The team is split. Fucking hell. Yeah. If zombies show up now, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my mind. Joan Dark is sent with about half of the Marines to the server room. 
so that they'll be ready to perform the reboot once the reactor is back online. Of course. While Captain Hector Savage... <laughs> God, this podcast's gonna suck when he dies. It really is. <laughs> I'm Hector as, Savage! I'm getting it in as much as I can now, because... How is it... It is... How is it not unfunny by this point it's still so good it's really good why didn't they name drop him in the film like i i don't i don't know because i no point in the film can i recall him being called named because i think i would remember if, if somebody had said commander savage i think every every scene he's in someone should address him as hector savage right because uh, if I'd heard Commander Savage, I'd at least, like, in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> and then I'd have gone to the Wikipedia and I'd have discovered, no, it's it's better than that. It's because better. his name is Hector Savage. <laughs> Huge missed opportunity here. They fucked up. They, uh, they did. They, they, they did. fucked up bad. And maybe the name flashed up on screen at some point in some place, and I just failed to notice it, But and they tried, but they didn't try hard enough is my point. Yeah, every five minutes they needed to say <laughs> the full name. Every five minutes. What do you think, Commander Hector Savage? What, where are we going next, Commander Hector Savage? I don't know. Why don't we ask Lieutenant Joan Dark? Full names throughout. <laughs> And even after he died, Lieutenant Joan Dark should have stopped every so often to think what would what would <laughs> Commander Hector Savage have done? Oh my god, I'm getting lightheaded. The demon should be writing in Sumerian on the walls, Captain Hector Savage, and they're like, what does that Sumerian say? And then Dr. Petruga could say, it says Captain Hector Savage. By the way, there's language in Sumerian which redefines the genre for me. Later on in the film, Sumerian, they up the wazoo. Commander Hector Savage. Woo! Or Captain, Captain Hector Savage, sorry. I, I want to make sure I get his rank correct. Well, he's, I, he's so badass that we've promoted him to commander yeah. in our hearts. Captain Hector Savage is the commander of my heart. Heart commander, Hector Savage. I'd actually originally in the script switched it between commander and captain so as to not confuse between captain asshole of the Nola, uh. you know, so I didn't want to confuse it. So I'd written in commander. And now that I know he's captain Hector Savage, which I didn't discover prior to writing the script, I, I have to call him that every time. So, well, absolutely. You know, it's just, I'm, so there might be a couple mix ups here. Captain Hector Savage takes science guy and the rest of the team to see if the reactor can even be repaired at all. Now, Winslow starts getting all pissy about going with Lieutenant Joe Dark, but Captain Hector Savage tells him to respect the goddamn chain of command. This conversation, redefining the genre. I mean, I, I knew that the Joe Dark was a bit of a renegade, but to buck the chain of command, like that... Let's think about that. That's the chain of command. And he's telling... But see, he is telling Winslow that he needs to respect the chain of command when Winslow's concerns about Joan were about her disrespect of the chain of command previously. The chain of, the chain of command. I mean, it binds us all, right? I mean, let's face it. that Any chain of command 
has Hector Savage at the top of it. Damn right. Even if he's a private, the moment anyone finds out he's called Hector Savage, he's like, shoot right to the top. We are immediately promoting you, sir. <laughs> I need to call you, sir. Yeah. Now. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking about the drill sergeant. When he was initially, like, going through boot camp. Mm. And he gets in front of Hector Savage's face and demands to know his name. What is your name, Private? Savage, sir. Savage? Savage what? Hector Savage, sir. My God. I gotta call you sir, Captain. Take my hat. You are Captain. <laughs> You're the drill sergeant now. I'm gonna drop and give you 50. <laughs> God. Hector Savage. Hector fucking Savage. Uh, hall wandering proceeds to happen for like the next 15 minutes. Well, I mean, it's, it's very much like the demon suit. It's, they spent like a solid afternoon making those tunnels. <laughs> They've got lights in them. Mm. If you squint, it doesn't look like it's made out of plastic and cardboard. Thousands of effect shots. They've got the Star Trek doors. I mean, I'm making fun, but... but Actually, yeah, they're not bad. As shitty as the CG is, the practical effects, and maybe it's just the CG makes them look better, but the practical effects are not that bad at all. Like, I was surprised they were... Given the sci-fi original quality of the filming and lighting for most of it, I was shocked that these look like bespoke sets and they didn't just film in a warehouse. Right, like, that. yes, because there wasn't anything, like, immediately recognisable in the sense of, oh, I've seen this exact set somewhere else? Yeah, it's like, I've... It's not I've seen this exact set, it's I've seen a set that looks exactly like this in Alien. Right. But I've not seen this exact take on it. They did some things, you know, they smooth some lines uh it's very 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 clean um in their lab environments and there's some cool details and it's it's got a very boxy aesthetic to it that i like and we're not just talking about the cereal boxes it was made out of no no because yes certainly it was made very very cheaply but for something clearly made cheaply it's an aesthetic that feels unified at least even the stairwells yeah it doesn't just look like a, a parking garage stairwell. Like, they've put things on the walls and everything. Yep. So, they tried. Yeah, I mean, genuinely. Yeah. They, their sets are, for what this film is, impressive. Yep. And the props aren't, the physical props aren't bad either. Most of them. Well, you know, I mean, the the BFG, notwithstanding, kind of lumpy. Yeah, the BFG is made out of spray-painted plastic. Yeah, but I like the key cards. The key cards are very nice. Yeah. Um... So, that's the Amazon review. I liked the key cards, five <laughs> <I liked> stars. <laughs> On the server floor, Lieutenant Joan Dark moves through a plumbing area with her half of the squad and finds a corpse with the ID of a William Blaskovitz. And they react to the sight of a decapitated body the way you would react to a smudge on your glasses. They are mildly irritated pretty cool with it i mean okay sure hardened they're hardened soldiers that have seen death fine but even still i mean that's it like i i was watching it and and i and i thought that i was like if i point this out it could be counted that they're hardened soldiers but they are on a routine scientific guard duty job yeah everything's gone wrong and weird they heard growling noises on a recording not a 
few minutes before. I don't care how hardened you are. If you see a basically a body with its head twisted right the fuck off, you are not going to look at it and that's it. I mean, it's fine if your version of reacting is an expressionless stare, you know, the kind of shock of horror that you're, you let the eyes go a bit wide and you don't move. That's one thing. But everyone here is so calm in their approach to this yeah. body throughout. There is um, there is an actor performing a disaffected character, and there are actors who are just not acting, and this is the latter. One character at one point looks at the body and says, oh, fuck, with about that level of energy. They, they are acting as if this is the 50th headless corpse they've seen that day. Uh, but they, uh, they, they also get a blue key card. Speaking of the key cards, off of uh, William. And I've, I've just got to point out, right? So offended am I at the poor acting. Mm. I haven't even gone in hard on the fact that the first body they find is BJ fucking Blazkowicz. That should be pretty insulting to anybody. That should be the bit that pisses me off. Right. But the acting was so bad, I had to talk about that first. Like, all of these other people would be dead. Or, or would be, you know, alive. All these these other characters that have survived would be alive, but BJ Blaskovitz would be dead under these circumstances. This is where the film thought it was being so fucking subversive. <laughs> this is where Giglio was, right, was like... This is where Giglio definitely, genuinely thought he's redefining the genre. This'll get him. This'll get him. BJ Blazkowicz is in this film, but he's the first one dead. That will not go wrong for me. They also find a bunch of writing that resembles ancient Sumerian. Not ancient Sumerian. Oh, I don't see that referenced often in films. Yeah, well, and, and we learn, we know that it's, it resembles ancient Sumerian at this point because the character who is looking at it previously in the character establishing scene in the mess hall, that guy was commenting in a conversation about learning languages, you know, in cryosleep, that he had to learn the seven languages he knows the old-fashioned way. And then someone else remarks, yeah, but they're all dead languages. And here, well, who's laughing now? The guy who studied Sumerian. This is also why this film is bad. Because a genuinely hilarious, entertaining bad film would have had this character know ancient Sumeria out of nowhere. Right. That this film took the time to establish it makes it worse than a film that wouldn't. This is the great paradox of a good bad film. Well, I, I'm, I am aware that they thought about this. Like, and they realized that, oh, well... This detail can't just come out of nowhere, so we better make sure to put something in about that. And then, you know, okay, well, how do we do that? Well, we'll talk about languages, and we'll make one of the characters have learned one in, in cryosleep. Oh, okay, cool. It's all justified. And But that means that, okay, so a level of effort went into it, and it comes off this poorly. Yeah. Whereas, if you're right, if they just not done it, and all of a sudden this Marine, who may have not been, you know, dummy Marine, just knows Sumerian, and it's not ever commented on this film would be so much more hilarious if the marines had the skills they needed for the scene as and when they needed to have those skills that's what a good bad film does but this film is too competent for its own good damn it Giglio, your your treatment was too solid i hate i just i hate it when the shit films we cover on this podcast are competent it is very unfortunate it doesn't give us a lot to work with no where's the treasure of the four crowns <laughs> 
Why can't we just do that again? So then the AI uh, ship, the ship AI is asked to translate it, which, oh, by the way, fuck him for naming it Daisy. Just fuck him. Sure. Because you know that that's a, you know, that's a reference, right? Hal 2000, Hal 9000, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah it's Daisy. Da- oh. Yeah. yeah. This film thinks it's so, this film thinks it's hot shit. And it is, just not in the way it thinks it is. <laughs> yes, it's just steaming. Yeah. Positively steaming. <laughs> the weather, that's why they released in October, you know. Because mm. the weather's getting cold, so you can really see it coming <laughs> You can really up. see it rise, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, the ship tries to translate this, and what it gets out of it is, have come to reclaim what is ours, through wrath will come justice, through pain divinity, no escape this time. Ugh. Cool. Really dig that. Very, very boring. And, but the, the uh, Winslow refers to it as mad scientist cult shit. So he's gone from aliens now to a cult. Yeah. That's closer to demons, but still got mad scientist in there. And he's actually kind of, I mean, he's pretty close. Not entirely incorrect. He's almost nailed it. Uh, it's not really a cult, but uh, other, than, other than that, yeah. Captain Asshole of the NOLA runs out of booze. So he leaves his chair and while he's away, he doesn't observe that Daisy's rerouting the Marines on their navigational guidance. What no a naughty way. AI, right? The AI's gone rogue? It's gone rogue. Oh, piss and vinegar. Right? Genre redefined again. Oh, God. When Lieutenant Joan Dark's half of the team realizes that they're having trouble, they also lose a connection with Daisy. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Fucking Getting hell. isolated. And as they continue to poke around, a couple of Joan Dark's team members peel off further dividing the groups and they eventually encounter a couple of zombies yeah there were some zombies for you enjoy them zombies have fun with those audience look we brought you some zombies hope you like them you came to see doom right yeah there are your zombies there are i mean here's the thing there are zombies in doom yeah but they've, they've got guns yeah and are like possessed. They're not just fucking zombies. Mm, yeah. But but these are some zombies for you. Enjoy them. Hope you like them. Bye. Enjoy, enjoy your zombies. Uh, so this, as this whole sequence that we're in the midst of consists of a lot of cutting between the two teams as they're fumbling around in the dark, we're kind of uh, red herring style led to believe that Captain Hector Savage's team, after <laughs> a prolonged search in quotes sequence uh is about to also encounter monsters uh but instead captain hector savage finds a group of surviving scientists i don't know about you but like a fake out on this level is it stands to just like completely redefine the genre Uh, i mean it's we're at the point where it's barely a film it's been so redefined Uh, among these survivors is the base chaplain and Nurse Veronica. And the thing is, neat is earlier in the film they mention the amenities on the station, oh, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that there is a chaplain on hand if you want to get your religion on. So, again, fuck this film. <laughs> it would have been better if a priest had come out of nowhere, well, and they I, don't was... explain why he's a priest. Well, they absolutely there's. I mean, you could even figure out why that might be without that information being established earlier. So it's still not necessary. But it would be so much funnier if he was just a space priest and they just had him in 
and no one remarked on it ever. It's not anywhere near as weird as the guy knowing the Sumerian, even. Because, yeah, priests wind up in all sorts of places. I just want this film to be stupid. I know. I know, Jim. In a funny way. Not not stupid in a way we did our best. Right? We're trying so hard. We're trying hard, and we know enough to make this film look like a real film. But But that makes it worse. You and me... And Captain Hector Savage in it together. Yeah. Doing everything we can. So Joan Dark's team is still under attack. One of the Marines goes down and inspecting one of the zombies reveals that it was previously a scientist named John Carmack. Fucking. Wow. So first time. Okay. Okay. You know, first time I could be like, you know what? Name. They didn't know how bad this was going to be received. Surely they wouldn't do it again. At this point, once the, once they had a fucking zombie with John Carmack on a name tag, <laughs> I was thinking to myself, the only thing that will make this film brilliant is if at the end we we just have John Romero's head on a stick. Oh, God. Wouldn't that have been... Wouldn't that have actually made this worth it? That would have been... Right at the end, they find the icon of sin and... It's John Romero's fucking head on a stick. Talking backwards. Maybe that's Doom 2. Oh, yeah. Annihilation again. There's there's still hope. (laughs) Yeah, I hope we get a sequel to this. Uh, So, just as uh, one of the survivors is about to explain to Captain Hector Savage uh, what had happened, they get attacked. And then the Marines are trying to update each other, and Daisy kills all their communications. And waves of zombies begin assaulting Joan Dark and her team. And shooting happens. Lots and lots of dull, uninspired shooting in corridors. Dull, uninspired shooting in the greenhouse area that the commander is in. A huge guy screaming, quote, I am your ultra nightmare motherfucker before immediately being killed. Because in Doom, one of the difficulty settings is... <sighs> so that was another reference for everyone to laugh at. And I'm sure when people watched it in the movie theater, they like threw their popcorn up in the air. Oh. They were clapping and laughing. Oh, just oh. like, ha, ultra oh, nightmare, oh. I get it, it's from games. Jim, 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 no, 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 I'm so, I'm so sorry. Uh, I know this is going to devastate you, but... No theater has ever shown this piece of shit. Uh, Barrels, explosive barrels and chainsaws that were forecasted 10 minutes earlier as people were doing the sweep around the room stuff uh, get put into use to kill zombies. So cool. Nothing surprising or fun. Uh, Captain Joan Dark saves the life of Winslow. You know, if you'll recall, the guy who was most vocal about not trusting her leadership and then she punches him while uh, when he praises her shooting and he says i deserved that all the hits you love yep. are on this soundtrack as science guy nurse veronica and the chaplain are led to safety and ultimately a reunion i didn't make out what he was saying over the shooting at the time i know he's, he said he was something nightmare yeah but now i've got so much contempt for this film like so much more contempt that they shoveled that in as awkwardly as humanly fucking possible well i actually think it's the second time that ultra nightmare has been set i think winslow says the same thing when he's talking about 
how he's going to take down the aliens. I think so, actually, now that you mention it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the second reference to Ultra Nightmare. It's only just hit me that that that's what it was. Yeah. I hate this film. I'd forgotten that that was (laughs) a difficulty setting. Yeah, it just dawned on me when you said it just now, and I'm like, I guess it's because, like, when you talk... I tend to pay attention. Oh. But when most of the films we watch are talking, I'm thinking of other things. Or I get bored and look at Twitter. <laughs> uh, so as, as uh, they all get reunited, uh, Captain Hector Savage is left behind to valiantly... I've stopped finding that as funny now. Like, like I've gotten over Hector Savage. Well, that's good. I've gotten over my enjoyment of Hector Savage. Your timing is I've excellent. I've not gotten over my hatred of Joan Dark. That name still makes me snarl. Uh, well, Captain Hector Savage is left behind to uh, valiantly hold back the zombies with his shotgun and combat knife, stopping Joan Dark from attempting to save him by shooting the door lock. And changing cinema forever. <laughs> what? I tell you what, right? I've heard of sacrifices. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would love to see a heroic version of one of those. Right? I mean, you never get to see that in a film. You really don't. I mean, shooting the door closed as well. Like, I mean, I mean, innovation. There's innovation and then there's Jiglio. Lieutenant Joan Dark then assaults Science Guy, saying he knows something he hasn't told. And he admits that the UAC found evidence of alien life. Just then, the last of Joan Dark's half of the squad arrives with Betruger, who, you know, the scientist. Remember him? From forever ago. Oh, yeah. Who did this whole thing and has been completely absent since. Here he is. Back on the NOLA, Captain Asshole argues with Daisy over what to do and decides to go up into orbit to attempt to get into communication with anybody in charge. But Daisy refuses. Says, I can't let you leave. I'm surprised that he didn't say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. But maybe that would have been a little too on the nose. Uh, But then admits that Daisy is a Daisy and we get our first look at the demon suit behind Captain Asshole. Yeah. Good looking demon suit. The first time you see it, it is funny. Yeah, a little bit. That's just because kind of how it's shot. Yeah. The angle over the shoulder thing. Yeah. And it's very, like, in the way, in the lighting, it looks almost blue a lot of the time. And it's it's very it's a very brief glimpse, so you don't get enough time to sort of absorb the level of detail that it has. That's it. Yeah. It's like the more I see it, because at first I'm like, is that more CGI? Because it's so brief. But the more obvious it becomes that they've got a full-on suit. Well, and it's so interesting that it runs counter to the theory that normally would run through this kind of film where you get the more bang for your buck out of the monster design through limited exposure to it. But here you only get to see more. It's, it's the only thing that you can look at and be like, you know what? Good on you. You accomplished yeah. something here. Uh, and so the more you get to see that they accomplished something here, the more you get to appreciate it. Uh, but, you know, it's because the narrative sucks. Uh, yeah, and it's only on a meta level to where you're like, I was not expecting to see. Like, this is the one thing the film does that's actually subversive, and I don't think it was on purpose. <laughs> I think they just spent all their budget on one suit, so we never see two monsters at once. No, no, it's always one in the scene. Um 
and that's yeah the end of. Things. I say that I can't I can't think of a time. No, you're correct. You're correct. Uh, it's cut in such a way I think you only ever see one. There are multiples in a sequence, in like the a big room to come. But they don't share a screen. I don't. Yeah, I don't think they share a shot together. And it's a shame that they do undermine the borderline impressiveness of the monster suit by then making the monsters do things that are not impressive. It's true. Yeah, they don't. They're they're not. All they really do is claw a little bit of jumping but it's the i'm talking specifically about the fireballs you mean one of the one of the thousand effect shots in the film one of the thousand effect shots i mean i will say that maybe the one of the reasons why the suit is so impressive is half the time it's shooting bad cartoon fireballs so it can only ever look good it, it it's not spawn fire uh obviously referring to the 1990s spawn yeah. film with the her- terrible fire CGI, which is my benchmark for bad CGI. Well, no, it's not like it's not like late nineties CGI. It's more no. mid two thousands CGI. Yep, yep, and it's uh, but yes, you're, it's not convincing by any stretch of the imagination. We should do Spawn. He's been in Soul Calibur. Yeah, we can get away with that. Oh, and uh, uh, um, as the Violator, um, what's his what's that little man's name? The pest. Yeah, I know who you mean, but I can't. Mm. Oh, that's gonna drive me crazy. He was he was Luigi for fuck's sake. Oh, Joe Leguizamo was Luigi. That's it. John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo plays the Violator in, in Spawn. There you go. Yeah. And a character that's built around annoying. You know the hero. Yup. Yeah. Cast John Leguizamo. That's a man who can be annoying. He should be in this film. Mm. If John Leguizamo and Matthew Lillard were in this film, it'd be so good. Oh, God. I do so love Matthew Lillard. So, all right, we gotta just... We've gotta plow on. Like, people might enjoy these podcasts, but they need to understand that at roughly the 40-minute mark of every one of these we do... I then want nothing more than to be done. And it's it's bad at the 40-minute mark because I know there's a lot more to do. It's true. So, uh, after Joan Dark pressures Petruger a bit, he gives a little information on what the UAC's been up to. They found these gates with the Sumerian written on them, and they theorize that there are many more throughout the universe because they're at least 7,000 years old, and they're made of a compound they can't identify, indicating that they had to have come from somewhere humans haven't been yet. And this part is apparently really significant to him. They only function with technology humanity has just recently developed, which he suggests that the aliens expected these to be discovered at a specific time in human development. This is not particularly iron ironclad analysis for a scientist. Like, couldn't it have gone the other direction? Like, like they found the portals and worked backward? Well, yeah. Like, oh, these are weird. Huh. But I uh, wonder what they respond to. Like, how else did they even find out? is weird. It's a strange bit of uh, monologuing. He claims to not remember anything after they turn the teleporters on, uh, but Veronica remembers shit. She says the monsters came through, and the chaplain confirms this, calling them demons. I am so glad we got clarification on the fact that they are demons. That is the only reason there's a chaplain character, is so he can call them demons. From a, from a position of authority. Yeah. yeah. Somebody else called them demons. So that, Jig- so that Jigglier can be like, see, <laughs> the priest agrees with me. <laughs> uh, when he claims that one of them attempted 
to possess him. And that explains how we got all these zombies. So, Lieutenant Joan Dark, now in full command, orders everyone back to the NOLA for evacuation. Petruger starts arguing vehemently. I said a hard, I wrote a hard word in my script, vehemently. I thought he was going to say starts arguing in Vietnamese. <laughs> well, the, the guy who knows all the languages, uh, that's probably not one of them, because he only learned dead languages. I'm looking up at the zombies from Doom 2016 to remind myself of what they look like, because they don't look like these. Like, they don't look like just regular type zombies. That's it. They're badass. They've got, like, holes in their heads where the eyes should be. Well, and, and they're not supposed to be inspired by this. This is, uh, ID Software had no involvement in the production of this Doom. Universal still retained the film rights to the original Doom license franchise for so it's it is that that's worse yeah that's worse because if they were trying to be the possessed zombies from doom 2016 then those are way more zombie like it would make sense because there were actual possessed zombies in doom 2016 and not in the original doom they look way better in doom 2016 than just regular type zombies you know they're proper like warped and and almost like like chaos possessed like from warhammer or something it's worse because if you were doing zombies because doom has zombies your only other point of reference are the zombie soldiers with the guns Mm -hmm. with the guns which none of them have or doom 3 Doom 3 with the ones that were, like, chattering almost. Like, some pretty cool takes on zombies, not just boring, regular-type zombies. Yeah. So, what a wasted opportunity. Yeah. So, Petruger is Oh, sick. shit. Hmm? Sorry, am I, am I looking up? I didn't realise that the um, the actual green-haired, buzz-cut-y zombie from the original Doom is coming back in Doom Eternal. Oh, wow. I just, I'm, I'm only seeing concept art for it, but that's cool. I'd forgotten that that was a zombie, honestly. It's hard to, yeah. Like, that, that, that's technically what it was. I just always thought of them as just sort of demon grunt soldiers. There you go. So, yeah, Bedruger insists that they fix the reactor and save the base uh, and all of the research. But Joan Dark pulls rank. And on their way back to the ship, the chaplain stops to have a very important conversation about the crucifix that she's wearing. Give it to her by her mother, as seen in the earlier dream sequence. And then he asks one of the other spec ops if they, they have anything to drink on, on the ship. Because I guess he needed more lines. Yeah. I, I don't know. Fine. He served his purpose, and now they, they're just looking for things to do with him. He's, he's only in this film to call them demons. So Joan Dark re-enters the NOLA as a rather nosy Daisy is asking her if anything's up. Not suspicious at all. Finding it clear, the rest of the group starts to come up including one Marine, Nurse Veronica, Dr. Petruger, and the chaplain. And they show us clearing them to enter and them entering Mm -hmm. over and over again because that pads out the running time. And it makes sure we know specifically who is where. Yeah. Because downstairs... By the way, at this point, the rogue AI is acting completely unlike she was before she went rogue. Right, yeah, it was so suspicious. And none of them have noticed it at all. Well, Joan is just not responding to it, which is... She just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, so so it's like, but wouldn't you? And that's it. The, The AI is going out of its way, almost like it wants to be caught. Like, so it can... Maybe it was planning something, so they're like... Some big surprise. Like, Daisy, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, this is weird. You're out of character. And then she's like, ah, demons, though. I've got this whole big monologue in my yeah. in my RAM. I can't wait to get it out. And she just doesn't get to have her big rogue AI moment. 
because they're ignoring her. <laughs> so downstairs, uh, science guy is expressing his admiration for Betruger for a bit. Up in the mess hall, the chaplain talks with the one Marine that came up besides Lieutenant Joan Dark about how he also used to be a soldier before becoming a man of the cloth. So, ah, oh, important character development. I guess that's so that... The man of peace was once a man of war? Mm. Genre redefined. Joan Dark eventually finds Captain Asshole's body and asks Daisy what happened. Oh, now you're asking Daisy shit? Okay. Daisy says, you know, knowing that this is her moment... <laughs> At last, she's been waiting patiently for ten minutes. Ultimately, what will happen to you? It's like, oh, eh, well, I mean, feels kind of tired, but... She had better, but, like, that was the only opening she was given. She, she had that planned up, but now in context, none of it would have worked. Such a shame. She had to think on her feet. And, you know, AI, they're fast, but there's a limit. They're, they're, they're fast, but they're not pithy. Yeah, you know, it's... What it is, it's gonna be one of those situations where the AI, like, suddenly has a better idea mm. when Joe Dark is in the elevator going, like, down to the lab in the last ten minutes of the film. Ooh, ask me what happened to him again. <laughs> yeah, but it's but it's too late. Yeah, way yeah. too late. <laughs> it's, it's a George Costanza situation. <laughs> Oh, if only the AI was George Costanza. Daisy Daisy breaks in in the middle of, like, the final confrontation. <laughs> <laughs> the chaplain and the marine are attacked by a demon in the mess hall, or the same demon. <laughs> same demon costume, different demon. Yeah, the same. they're attacked by the same costume. Jode gets into the fight with the one near her, and the marines below start to come up when they hear the commotion, but the first one to go up gets sent back down in a couple pieces, and the third demon comes down to fight them. Winslow, coward that he is, runs back into the base. Oh, oh darn. Leaving uh, another Marine, Callie, I think, behind with Science Guy. Having temporarily escaped her demon, Joan Dark finds the mess in the mess hall. <laughs> Veronica also comes in, so Joan Dark gives her a pistol and sends her back to Betruger to defend them both while she secures the ship. Uh, Veronica does that, and Betruger seems pretty chill under the circumstances that's not suspicious at all joan dark fights the the demon that's on the bridge and it sort of pins her down and attempts to turn her into a zombie showing her visions of some horrible wasteland with spires which i gotta hand it to him never seen that never seen that in a movie before uh, really i'm just making chicken noises now now that's just where we're at that's just where i'm at now yeah cool well, it's interrupted by the chaplain, who turned out to not be dead, and arrives with the uh, Marine's assault rifle and shoots the thing, and the thing flies off for, uh, and then goes and attacks the chaplain, and that's enough time for Joe Dark to recover and kill the demon herself. And then, with his last breath, the chaplain tells Joan Dark that his mother is that her mother's always been with her, and I'm glad that we had that. Four sentence exchange 15 minutes ago yeah. that allowed us to get to this place. Fucking stupid. Fucking. <laughs> fucking. Cheap. Oh, fuck. Meanwhile, Winslow comes back for his squad bait that he left behind, rescuing her from being turned. Now, Winslow is a real wild card. Veronica then confronts Petruger about what she saw, and he claimed not to remember that he walked into the portal and disappeared. 
and he acts confused by this revelation and continues to claim he doesn't recall. And then everybody gets assembled in the mess of the ship to explain to the audience who, by this point, you have to have lost interest and forgotten <laughs> uh, what this situation is. That they can't fly the ship off the moon, they can't send a distress beacon, and the reactor's going to blow up in less than 30 minutes. So the only practical option left is Betruger's suggestion to activate the portals again and use them to return to Earth. Obviously! He does not have any sort of, like, uh, what would you call that? Um, um, like a, a motive. What? Oh! oh. That's, like, sort of ulterior in nature? That's, yes, ulterior. None at all. No, it doesn't, he None. doesn't have this that. Is, I don't even know why we brought it up. This is so on the level. It's the secret level in a moon base. <laughs> That's the level it's on. I wonder if any character in a, in a funny reference will mention secret levels. I can't. I doubt. I mean, it sounds to me like that would a be... A little too obvious. Or, or, genre redefining. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. I guess we'll have to find out whether anyone mentions secret levels. So... Joan Dark finally agrees to this, pushing back on the objections of the rest of the Marines by pointing out, hey... They're all going to die if they don't do anything. And dying while fighting is better than dying while hanging out. I think it's the first time I've seen this sentiment expressed in a film. Yeah, I think so. This is, it's pretty original. Uh, I'm not totally convinced about its validity. No, <laughs> but then I'm not convinced about the validity of the film, so. Fair enough. As everyone gears up to move out, Science Guy tells Joan Dark that if they use the gates again, it's entirely likely the base is just going to blow up anyway. But don't worry. She was just lying to get Petruger off her ass and plans to simply contact command once they have the reactor back online and get a rescue uh, sent out. An uneventful march to the reactor room follows. Mm -hmm. So I was like, when she said that, and maybe I just, I was zoning out. Why, what is the conflict if she could just do that? Where's the, the, the ticking time bomb on this? Well, the ticking time bomb is the repairing the, the reactor. Right. Now, why? I, well, I mean, she just didn't want him, like, bugging her about this shit. It's just the first the first thing is, like, okay, I, I guess I, would, I was just zoned out. Like, she just wants the expediency of him not getting in the way yeah. of her just going. And, okay. Yeah. Because it's just the way, the way I was watching, I'm like, oh, well, she seems to have this all under wraps. So they march to the reactor room, and it's incredibly dull. Uh, and then Science Guy sets to work fixing said reactor. And as he does, Betruger, in a totally not suspicious manner, starts taunting Lieutenant Joan Dark about the incident on their last mission where she allowed a dangerous terrorist to escape by disobeying a direct order. Yeah. And, and I very much like with... Like, they address it a bit more than they did earlier. Yeah. But it's very similar to Daisy and her, like, unsubtle hints that she's gone rogue. Right. In that they don't kind of let themselves be bothered by what he's saying. Right. It's the kind of behavior that under any circumstances a real human being would see this and be like, okay, what the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. But they kind of just let him rant and ignore him while he is clearly fucked up. Yeah. There's another movie we've seen that does this specifically, like in this wrong way. And I can't remember what it was now, but we've seen this done poorly in this way before right where the villain is having a clear villain monologue 
and they haven't even worked out that something's wrong. Right. While he's ranting to their faces. Yes. What yep. a bad film this is. He then further attempts to sow dissent among the squad by revealing the contents of their testimonies in the review board following the incident. Like, and that's it. How how have you not put this man, man in restraints? The by Marines because because the doctor starts saying, you know, oh, you said that Joan Duck was untrustworthy, and you over there, Marine, you said that you don't want to work for her anymore. So you should trust me. Yeah, like they're not <laughs> they're not worried about the doctor suddenly turning villainous, clearly villainous. They're worried that they're going to be socially awkward around Joan. That's their number one priority, is they don't want this to get weird (laughs) while the Doctor's being weird. (sighs) The reactor gets back online, at which point Petruger pulls a knife out of his coat and stabs Nurse Veronica, revealing to her that he remembers everything that happened. He then walks out of the reactor room, locking the door behind him and trapping everyone else inside so they can be slaughtered by demons. Everybody except for Joan Dark and Science Guy get killed. Oh, and by the way, like, like I, I, I intimated it about it, but these demons mm-hmm. are constantly shooting fireballs. They are. And, and what I mean by that is, is the person in the suit stands there and holds his hands out in a little awkward way near his belly. Mm-hmm. And then... This shitty orange CGI fireball appears that doesn't look like it belongs in the scene. Like it genuinely looks like when people like did home movies and had like free effect makers. Yeah. Like it's a royalty free looking fireball effect, <laughs> and it just skims along. And when it hits a person or a wall, it leaves no sign of damage. If it hits a person, they just fall over and they're fine. Like we're supposed to assume they're dead or whatever. But physically, they look fine. And they'll hit a wall or a person and will just sort of fade out. It doesn't explode. It just fades out a bit. It doesn't explode. It doesn't... They are really bad. Ignite anything in the surrounding. It doesn't leave a char mark. It just goes away. Yeah. It's just like it was never there. Like a giant fuck-off fireball got, got shot. And it's like it was never there once it fades away. It's, I can't emphasize how bad it is. So everybody but Joan Dark and Science Guy got killed in the reactor room, and they briefly chat about this new development with Joan Dark, surmising that opening the gates isn't a means to an end for Betruger, but the end in itself. Fuck. Unfortunately, they have no way of knowing where in this enormous base Betruger would have gone. But just then, Veronica sputters a bit and remains alive just long enough to hand over her keycard, which leads to the extra secret lab where the portal is. And coincidentally, Science Guy had this keycard with him already. So, that's weird. (laughs) On the way there, Joan Dark stops because she sees a weapon locker with a BFG 9000 in it. uh, Getting into it with BJ Blazkowicz's ID card, or security card, or whatever you call it. And helpfully explains why it's not standard issue equipment, because it's so cool. She also gets some plasma grenades and has an emotional moment where she questions herself, because she did fuck up before by ignoring that order, and it led her team to this assignment, which got them all killed. And Science Guy reassures her and does a swear in the process, and they make a joke about him making a swear. And then as they wait for the elevator, she reveals that she remembers a date that they went on, where there was an elevator. And he was afraid because he's afraid of elevators. And she actually remembers their whole relationship, despite having been so dismissive about it earlier. And this is also stupid and unnecessary, and the movie knows it. So when the elevator doors do open, Science Guy is grabbed by the head and pulled inside. Thank Christ. Yeah. 
That's the only reason they brought up the relationship again, mm-hmm. was because they thought it'd be some fucking pathos. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, it turns out that they are romantic. Oh, wow, well, he's dead. Oh, that's going to shake the audience to their core. And fuck this. In contrast, it's just merciful. Yeah. It's just yeah. that you've ended this. Thank you. Thank you. We don't need this. And you did it quickly. Joan Dark gets to try out the BFG on a few <laughs> things. And, and when she fires the the BFG 9000, which even if you've not played Doom, there's a 90% shot you know what the big fucking gun 9000 is. They do make it a point of mentioning that, hey, the soldiers call it the, the big fucking the gun. The big fucking gun. The thing that wipes whole rooms out. It is the fireballs the demons were using, but green. <laughs> Yep. And when it hits zombies... They fall over. They fall over. That's all that happens. And really, I need you to... Emph- I need I need the audience to think about... Our listeners to think about this, right? When it hits live-action performers, it does no f- visible damage and they fall over. Just keep that in mind for later. When it hits live-action physical actors, they just fall over and nothing impressive happens. So just think about that for later. But for right now, the the much-lauded, the much-hyped BFG 9000 is just shooting shitty green cartoon fireballs and making zombies fall over. After this sad showing, she descends in the elevator to the extra-secret lab, moving through some corridors filled with hanging bloody corpses and so forth, so they did spend a little more budget here. Like, on... Dead bodies. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember thinking like, "Oh, this is the most impressive thing I've seen in the film." Yeah, it's not bad. In the lab, she finds Petruger, who dryly compliments her persistence and talks in some demon tongue to listeners unknown when a demon shows up, and it gets immediately put down with a shot from the BFG. But then here comes Science Guy, who's now possessed. And so this emotional connection that they have probably prevents her from killing him like she's killed all of these other people before. Yeah, this one's this one's dangerous. Because he's special to her. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Bedruger opens the portal while going on about how the denizens of this other place gave us math and science and so forth. And once Joan Dark finally does manage to put down Science Guy, Bedruger holds her at gunpoint. And monologues about whatever's on the other side of the portal and how it gave him purpose and it'll give humanity purpose, but she won't live to see it. And she takes the gun and shoots him, collecting his red key card. She grabs the BFG, but it turns out, and this is going to blow your mind, Jim, but he's not dead. What? He's not dead because he's not alive. Oh, Jesus. No. He's got a big old hole in his chest from, from being shot. Or from something else that tore his heart? I don't know. He's got a big old hole in his chest. You you can't kill what's already dead. Oh my god. That is such an original line. I'd never heard anything like that. You know, I don't know if the world is ready for doom annihilation. It's a common phrase, but the bio write-up for the zombies in the Quake user manual, and I don't know why I remember this, um, each demon in the Quake uh, player manual has a little quote underneath its name and f- and and for that one it is thou canst kill what is already dead and i i'm not it, this is not a reference to quake at all when he says it no but for some reason i remember that so that's a little fact for fuck's sake wow we haven't had a fact in a long time yeah fact that book is also where i um first heard the uh, first encountered the word kibble mm, I- 
Yeah. Because the, the user manual says that, you know, because the zombies can't be killed, like, you can only stop them by reducing them to kibble. Wow. The things we learn from video games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck. So he pushes Joan Dark through the portal, and she finds herself in water swims to the surface and discovers that she's in the same barren, spire-filled landscape from the vision the demon gave her. She's trapped in a cartoon. And once she finally recognizes this, the demons all start coming out, including a big one that's formed out of oily material. I assume this is referencing a specific demon I'm not remembering from Doom. I couldn't remember it either. Okay. I don't, I don't remember seeing one of those. The other ones look a bit closer to the Doom 2016 imps. Mm -hmm. They bear in mind there's now like an army of CGI demons, none of which look like the suit demon. No, these are different entirely. These are different. And they're all CGI and they, it looks bad. It's not great. As I understand it, they shot this sequence entirely on a green screen. Really? Go figure. Because it doesn't fucking look it. <laughs> and yeah, there's this big demon that's basically almost like a suit of armor. Like it's got a head like an empty helmet and inside is just lots of fire. It almost looks like a Dark Souls monster. Kind of. If, if a Dark Souls monster was designed by Cheap. a child. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, once uh, surrounded, she gets knocked down to the ground, and the BFG gets knocked out of her hands, and the oil demon comments on it in subtitles. I assume he's speaking in Sumerian. Something like that, yeah. Humans are pathetic. He does a little rallying cry for all its demon buddies about to go through the portal to Earth. And seeing her reflection in an oil pool, Joan Dark thinks about her mother and gets the courage to keep fighting, grabbing the BFG 9000 to kill the oil demon and fire off a few more blasts before it overheats. And suddenly it's devastating. Yes. For some reason when it hits live action monsters they just fall over and the fireball goes away, but suddenly when the CGI fireball hits CGI demons, then we get explosions. Funny how that works. We don't get that many, though. There is still, you know... There's like two or three, yeah. There's a budget that we have to think about. But, I mean, that's that's got to account for, like, 950 of the thousand visual effects. <laughs> Do you think they counted each demon as its own effect? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, she then moves to the portal and uses the plasma grenades that the UAC had really been holding out on, uh, throwing them behind her to obliterate the demons as she passes through, landing in the Nevada lab. And then the lead scientist there starts asking her questions, like, hey, where's Petruger? Because, you know, he'd ask them to open up the gates, and he hasn't shown up. And she starts going off about how they need to shut the gates down, and this is about to be a military operation. So the scientists sedate her, just in time for her to watch the gates reactivate, and a sequel hook come out of there. <laughs> it fades to black, you hear a monster noise. It ends like an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark would end. Yep. And that, that's Doom Annihilation. Oh, fucking hell. I know I say this a lot. You do. But almost two hours. Oh, did we? I have not looked at the time. My timer right now. And oh, it'll be, yeah. It'll be different for listeners, but at the time of me talking right now, it says one hour 58. Yeah, that's... Uh... Once things are edited and changed, it won't be that for the listener. It will be fucking close, though. Yeah. Did you like Doom Annihilation or not? No, I mean, it's it's offensive in its inoffensiveness. It doesn't do anything really significant uh, in any direction. It's it's not bad enough to be enjoyable. It's not uh, it doesn't have any ideas of its own. 
Uh, it's lifting everything that it possibly can from, as you say, Event Horizon and Aliens. That's yeah, it's empty. Uh, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, because I I think Doom is an interesting thing to make a movie out of. It, of uh, there are a ton of first person shooter franchises that would not nearly translate so well to a uh, you know a sci fi action adventure movie. And it's disappointing that even though this is in many ways more faithful to Doom than the first effort was, it's a much worse film for being completely unremarkable. Yeah. I mean, unremarkable in the sense that we only managed to talk about it for two hours. I hate these films. I do too. I hate all of these modern bad films are killing me. For the reasons I stated earlier, like the, the baseline competence of it, the the fact that you do not get really hammy, awful actors anymore because they're like it's just like it's come off a mill now. They're like factory standard efficient films that are not remarkable in any way whatsoever. And I don't think those people get past the casting process anymore. Yeah. Like long enough to establish themselves and They end up making their own films. Yep. And that's how we get a brain. Why didn't Neil Breen do a video game based movie? Uh, is is he still alive? Is there time? I think he's still around. Oh, he's still cranking him out, yeah? Uh, how do we get a hold of Neil Breen? Yeah, we've got an idea for you. We've got a 25-page spec script, and he'll be like, that's 25 more pages than I've ever written. We've got 80 episodes of script ideas for yeah. video game-based movies. Oh, he could do our, um, our Grandma's Boy sequel. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Grandma's Breen. <laughs> What are we going to do next time? Oh, did we say Detective Pikachu? I think we did. Yeah, we are. Yeah. I've, I've seen that one already. I saw that one in theatres, so I know it's good. Good. I know this will actually be a good film for us to watch. Well, good. We might have positive things There's to talk about. We could things. be like, I enjoyed this thing that happened. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Am I still going to find some sort of fascist undertone in it? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, it's pretty, it's pretty on the level. Oh, right on. Oh, I'm looking forward to it then. That's great. Yeah, it's got. A, yeah. it's not got an Ekans in it. Oh, so then it fails as a Pokemon. Well, it's a piece of shit. Yeah. So you 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 can look forward to me redefining the genre of Jim Sterling Productions by complaining about the lack of Ekans in something. <laughs> All right, that's yeah. that's a wrap up. Like it's literally yeah. just crossed the two hour mark for me. This is absurd. What we do, this podcast, absurd. Yes, it's nonsense. <laughs> All right, well, um, if you are still listening, do check out Conrad's store. Yeah, I guess it's a store. Uh, yeah, it, uh, I make buttons with things, and one of them I just put out is based on a movie. <gasps> it's a good movie. Um, it's, it's it's inspired by the movie Repo Man. If anybody out there see that, all of the products have a certain style to them. And I made a button in the style of a button that would appear in Repo Man. So you can see that and many other sort of snarky or punk-related or lefty or anti-capitalist stuff. That's all at pinfultruth.com, P-I-N-F-U-L-T-R-U-T-H.com. And you can find me on Twitter at, at Conrad Zimmerman, too. And yeah, and Jim's got a Patreon. Yeah, I really, I, 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 I'm getting over my shame of self-promotion, having seen the results. Good for you. It works. Yeah, yeah. We've got, we've got end cards on the Jimquisition videos now. And I think that's helped in a big way. Like sort of a little link to the Patreon and a link to the subscribe mm -hmm. button and all that. Like we're actually doing it properly for once. About 
10 years too late into my career but i'm trying but if you want to support all of the the ad free content that i do um and it helps me of course pay people for their time and work as well uh go to patreon.com slash gymquisition and you're perfectly welcome to to toss a little money the business's way no one has to no content is gated off but it it is terrifyingly and also gratifyingly funded entirely by belief in the product um for the product's own sake so yeah wonderful thank you always for supporting that if you do even if you just listen you're very very welcome yep you're still supporting in in a way so we really appreciate that yeah it supports my ego because when the views go up that's good for my morale so at the very least that's good um but we will see you next time um you know, we're, we're trying not to have the long delays that we've had before. Uh, so this one came relatively soon after the last one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's within the acceptable range from before we had a long, lengthy there you uh, go. gap. So, yeah. Look at that. Not bad. Uh, look at us. Look at us. Getting, getting our shit together. Content. Yeah. All right. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye.